What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Thursday, February 5th, 2015. Proud to announce a new partnership that we have going on this show every Thursday. Every Thursday will be presented by Violent Gentlemen. Make sure you go to violentgentlemen.com today to order some of the hottest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene from the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentleman honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. ViolentGentleman.com. I already have my hoodie and my winter hat that I'm going to be getting from Violent Gentleman because the snow will not stop falling here in Boston. We're getting another storm this weekend. We got some snow today, uh, but all is well because we continue to embrace the New England Patriots Super Bowl championship here in New England. And yesterday was parade day. Uh, the, all the videos and pictures are coming out. Julian Edelman went nuts. Gronk went nuts. And that was, sort of, that was all sort of expected. And it brings us to our poll of the day results from yesterday, which were whose duck boat would you want to be on during the Patriots championship parade? The options were Tom Brady. Bill Belichick, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, Chandler Jones, or Robert Kraft. Now, the results of this poll, the final results, Rob Gronkowski wins 42% of the vote. Julian Edelman in second with 33% of the vote. Tom Brady in third with 17% of the vote. Robert Kraft in fourth with only 8% of the vote. Bill Belichick and Chandler Jones both got 0% of the vote. I voted Robert Kraft. I think that Robert Kraft is a uh, a sneaky hip dude, if that makes sense, right? He's a sneaky hip cat, getting Ricky Ross at the at the team uh, celebration, dancing with him on stage. I, I I would go with Robert Kraft. Now I get Gronk Edelman. They look like they had a great time. Who wouldn't want to party with those guys? Something's telling me though that Robert Kraft. If you're on Robert Kraft's duck boat. You're also going to be partying, and hey, the party will continue because you know Robert Kraft has some great post-parade party, and you want to make sure you're invited to that one. So, uh, and, and along the way to the party, you might lose Gronk, you might lose Edelman somewhere in the crowd, and you don't get to go to Kraft's post-parade party. So I would be choosing Robert Kraft, but there's the result of the poll. The poll of the day today for Thursday, February 5th, 2015 is this. Now that the NFL is over, what are you most looking forward to? Got a lot of options here. And we'll try to narrow it down at the end of the sh- by the end of the show. Again, now that the NFL's over, what are you most looking forward to? Spring training, the Masters, which is in April. We got a big golf tournament this weekend, right, at Torrey Pines. We'll talk about that a little bit. So spring training, the Masters, the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the NFL draft, March Madness, or even have in there right now, I have WrestleMania in there. I have WrestleMania in there. WrestleMania 31 is in San Francisco, the same place that Super Bowl 50 will be next year. I put WrestleMania in there. You know what? WrestleMania might even win this poll. You never know. I'll give uh, my pick at the end of the show, and so will my producer, Pete Needham. Um, But I will also play with you my conversation with former NHL defenseman Ryan Whitney. 
Uh, Ryan Whitney joined me on the Skype hotline this earlier this morning. We went Skype to Skype. He is in Russia, currently playing in the KHL. Uh, again, former NHL defenseman, played at BU. We talked a little bit about the bean pot. We got his reaction to the Super Bowl. He's from Boston. He's a huge Patriots fan. He's a huge Boston sports fan. We talked for a good 40 minutes, maybe even more. We had a great conversation with him. Caught up with Ryan Whitney. He's going to be on this show every single week. So today was the first uh, weekly segment with Ryan Whitney, who joined me on the Sky Hotline. And again, every Thursday, this show will be presented by, and that segment specifically, uh, every Thursday. And we'll be bringing in different players on Thursday. Whitney, because of his schedule in the KHL and the time difference, um, it's going to have to be a, a different day every single week, but he does want to come on every week. And, and when you listen to our conversation, I hope that you will keep coming back for that. But every Thursday specifically now, we're going to have a segment with a professional athlete brought to you by Violent Gentlemen. So again, make sure you go to violentgentlemen.com right now. Today, the Violent Gentlemen segment was Ryan Whitney. So I'll play that audio for you in just a few minutes. Uh, And then to close out the show, we'll give our answers for today's poll of the day, which is now that the NFL's over, what are you most looking forward to? I'm I'm sort of still in Super Bowl mode. I'm sort of still in Patriots, a world champs mode. Uh, And last night I did it to myself. There was another show on, right? There was another show that had guys mic'd up. It was on NBC Sports Network. It was called Turning Point. Now, it wasn't as good as Showtime's inside the NFL. It was kind of the same thing. Uh, I didn't think it was as good as Inside the NFL and Showtime, but you got a, you got some other you got a little different stuff going on with the audio. But I, look, I I can't get enough of it. You know, I can't get enough of the in-game audio for the Super Bowl. I can't get enough of Malcolm Butler's interception. I just can't. And as I tweeted last night, I can't get enough of hearing people's stories about their emotions at the end of that game. And everyone's story is the same too. Everyone's story is, oh, when Jermaine Curse came down with that catch, all I could think of was uh, David Tyree. All I could think of was Manningham. All I could think of was the Patriots' loss and losses to the Giants in the Super Bowl. I thought it was over. And then when Malcolm Butler caught it, I jumped up off my seat and I was hugging people I didn't know. Uh, you know, that everybody has the same reaction. And every story is really the same. But to me, those stories just don't get old. So I keep telling them. Uh, I, I, so I'm still in Patriots Super Bowl mode. And as we here in New England are celebrating, you know, you got people in Seattle who are trying to figure out what the fuck happened in the final play of the Super Bowl. Um, Pete Carroll was on the Today Show. Is that what he was on? Pete Carroll was on the uh, NBC's Today, right? Today, NBC Today. I don't know what the hell this show's called. Matt Law was the host. He went and flew uh, to, to meet with Pete Carroll, and he did a one-on-one sit-down interview. And you know what? Before the show this morning, me and my producer, Pete Needham, uh, we were going over the audio of this, and we were like, oh, what do we want to use? What do we want to use from Pete Carroll? What audio do we want the people to listen to? And as we were doing it and we were trying to decide, I said, fuck it. Don't even give us audio. Don't even let, I don't even want to hear any audio. I've heard enough. Pete Carroll, because he, it's nothing new. You know, the Matt Lauer conversation, I think they wanted something different, right? They wanted something new. The only quote that stuck out to me, and the audio wasn't even good enough to play it. I'll read it to you. The only thing that stuck out to me was Pete Carroll said, 
I quote, I don't think at this point that everybody is on the same page about that sequence necessarily, but that's okay. And Carroll goes in to talk about uh, how he explained the final decision to throw the football on second and goal from the one with the Super Bowl on the line. He went in to his decision, explained it to the players during his weekly Tell the Truth Monday meeting. Apparently, that's what they have every Monday, the Seahawks. A Tell the Truth Monday meeting. And his quote is, I wanted to make sure that they went through the whole process of what happened at the end, went through the whole thinking and everything, and reminded them how we had prepared and how we've done things. So they realized that whether or not even the players who want to agree know that this is the way we have practiced and prepared ourselves to execute in this moment. End quote. And let me go back to the previous quote I mentioned from Pete Carroll. He says, quote, I don't think at this point that everybody's on the same page about that sequence necessarily, but that's okay. That's what he told Matt Lawler. So he's basically telling us that he's talked to the team. He has to t- How bad is it? You know you made the bad decision. You know you made a bad call when you have to tell the team in a meeting on Monday that this is how we practiced. When you have to when you have to explain the call that you made at the end of the Super Bowl to your team and and try to remind them that this is how we practiced it, that tells you that you made the the, the bad call, right? You made the worst call. You made a bad decision. But he's still not even admitting that. So we look, got this audio and we said no. Uh we're not going to even play it for you. There's nothing really new here. Pete Carroll is He's not going to come out and say he made the wrong decision. And to me, if he has to explain to his teammates about why he made that decision, well, that that should tell him he made the wrong decision. He made the wrong decision. Okay. You get to the the half-yard line, you you got to run it in. You got to pound it in with Marshawn Lynch. Pound it in. They didn't do that. Instead, they threw an interception. And the Patriots are Super Bowl champs, and Malcolm Butler ripped the Lombardi Trophy out of Pete Carroll's hands. And now he's doing media trying to explain himself. And while he's trying to explain himself, he's trying to defend his call. And while he's trying to defend his call, the funniest part about it is he's throwing Russell Wilson under the fucking bus. Does anybody else not see this? Does Pete Carroll not see this? When he has to call the team together and say, guys, this is how we practice it. This isn't on me. This isn't on my decision. This was a good decision. We were playing for four downs, right? We were playing for having a third and fourth down. We weren't playing a win on second down. I made the right decision, and this is why I made it. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, don't blame it on me. Blame it on the quarterback that threw the interception. We don't go into plays thinking we're going to throw picks, but when we do, it's not on the play call. It's on the guy who, who threw the pick, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not nuts. When the coach comes out and strongly defends, and he's, he's not just defending his decision, by the way. He's talking, he's doing a one-on-one with Matt fucking Lauer. So he's throwing his QB under the bus. Yeah. You know, if you were a coach that didn't want to throw your QB under the bus, you'd say, look, I should have. Yeah, we, we, we planned a certain way. We did certain things. But in that moment, uh, the decision to not run the football was on me, and it was stupid. And, you know, we we should have never put the quarterback in that situation when we have one of the best backs in the league, when we're a half yard away from the end zone to win a Super Bowl. You know, we 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 should have 
put our team in the best chance to succeed. And that's not a knock on Russell Wilson, uh, because certainly he, he's given us the chance to even be in this game with the performance he had in the NFC Championship. But in the moment, in situational football, you're right. We should have run the football in that point in time. He's not doing that. Now, you could say, well, he's showing confidence in his quarterback publicly. But I don't look at it that way. I don't look at it that way. I look at him defending his decision and, and saving himself here. That's what he's doing. Now, Bill Belichick has come out and said that it's out of control, the fact that we're questioning Pete Carroll. I don't think it is. I don't think it's out of control. You know, I've, I've sat here and told you that I think Malcolm Butler should be praised you know, more than Carroll should be knocked because Malcolm Butler made a fantastic individual effort and a clutch uh, game-winning, Super Bowl-winning interception. Right? I've praised that to no end this week. But we are all acknowledging and agreeing that Pete Carroll made a bad call. The only person that's not acknowledging or agreeing to that is Pete Carroll himself. And while he does that and he makes his media rounds and he's talking to Matt Lauer one-on-one, in the process, at least to me, he's telling you that, well, we didn't expect to throw an interception. So don't be blaming me. Blame the guy who threw the pick. Because if he doesn't throw a pick there... We have third down, and the way we prepared was for third down and fourth down that we can hand the football off one of those downs, maybe both times. That's what all this Pete Carroll stuff tells me, and that's an accountability problem. I talked about accountability problems with the Colts, an accountability problem with the Colts GM being more concerned about the Patriots' air pressure in their footballs than maybe trying to build a defense as a general manager this offseason that can compete for an AFC title. No, don't do that. Let's talk about air pressure in footballs. I mean, there's an accountability issue here in both of these games, even in the Ravens game. You know, these guys that are losing these games have accountability problems. Jim Harbaugh, or John Harbaugh, whatever, whatever Harbaugh that was, he's a Harbaugh, and, you know, he's clearly somebody that does not want to, uh, he, he, does, he does not want to ignore the fact that the Patriots well, use some formations against them that, that he believes are stretching the rules. I mean, th- clearly, he ran out in the field and got a penalty for it. Um, and we heard him talk about it after the fact, right? And it might have sparked all this deflategate stuff. But there's an accountability issue here with these guys. You lose a football game. Somebody, a coach, some, one of these coaches, GM, somebody. Accountability. Let's go. Where, where is it? You know, you bet your ass if the Patriots lose the Super Bowl the other night, if they handed off, if the Seahawks handed it off to Marshawn Lynch and they scored, you bet your ass that Bill Belichick would come out and and say that you know what we didn't we didn't coach this thing up well enough. Uh, you know they would. But Pete Carroll right now he's going on his little media tour and he's defending the call, which you know he's trying to. Does he think it's stupid? He's trying to defend himself, and it just it just isn't working for me. It just isn't working for me. Uh, so we're not going to play any of that audio with Pete Carroll because it just it, it's it's all the same stuff. It really is all the same stuff. But he is admitting that not everybody's on the same page, and they shouldn't be. I mean, we already heard that immediately after the game. Bruce Irvin, right, defensive end, linebacker. He called out Pete Carroll. He said, "We have the best. Why are we run, why are we not running the football in that situation?" Uh, when when your players are sitting there calling you out, and I know it's heat of the moment, but if I'm a player on that team and I keep hearing my coach go around and, and 
I don't think we've heard the end of this. I think the more Carol talks about this, the more likely you are opening up. You're, 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 you're giving Seahawks players the opportunity, the guys that don't agree with them, you're giving them the opportunity to open up somewhere, whether it's on the media, whether it's on Twitter, and basically say, this guy needs to shut the fuck up, okay? Because it's the play call. It wasn't all the players. It was a stupid play call. Somebody's going to come out and defend Russell Wilson here. Because right now it's looking like Pete Carroll saying, well, we don't go into it thinking we're going to throw an interception. We're playing uh, for third and fourth down as well. It's, it's a bad look. Pete Carroll's got a bad look going on right now for him. For a guy that's, that turned his career around when he went to USC and even all the other stuff that was going on there, he comes to the NFL and he says, hey, I'm going to take this team and I'm going to turn them into uh, a powerhouse in our own building. Uh, we got the 12th man here in Seattle. We're going to be a Super Bowl contender every year. And we won a championship last year. We're back in the big dance. All of a sudden, I think his image is taking a hit. And not just publicly, not just media, not just uh, people outside of Seattle, but also people in Seattle and not just fans, players as well. And, and they have some serious rust of things that they need to take care of here uh, moving forward. But I think Pete Carroll should stop focusing on this call and maybe say, hey, you know what? It's on me and move on and try to get back to Super Bowl 50 next year. But would you, who, you know, we talked about wanting to play for coaches. Who do you want to play for? Clearly certain guys. Money talks. I get that. Marshawn Lynch, money will probably talk. But if there's a team that's giving him similar money or offering him similar money out there, I think he takes a step back and says, do I want to play? You know, if I can make the same money somewhere else, should I go there or do I want to play, stay around and play for the guy that wouldn't give me the football when the Super Bowl was on the line from the one-yard line? You saw him laughing as he walked off the field on that NFL film special. Pete Carroll looking at him. And the laugh was basically from Ashawn Lynch. Don't knock him for the laugh. He's not happy that that happened. The laugh was, you got to be shitting me, man. That was a, that was a you got to be shitting me laugh. Like, I Really? That was a really. You, that's what you. That's what we just did. That's what you just. That's what you just did. After all this, we get to this point. You just did that, <laughs> and you got me standing here running out to the left side of the field. Uh, that's that's what that type of laugh was. But Pete Carroll, enough is enough. Enough is enough from him. There's other Super Bowl news that's out there. Uh, what a Camp Chancellor play with a torn MCL now. They're saying. Um, also, Richard Sherman had his baby. Had a baby today on the 5th, 2 5 15. That, Richard Sherman wins the, wears number 25. I guess if you want to look at that as uh, a special thing. Look, the parade was yesterday here in New England, and there were some signs. There were some things that some people outside of New England are calling classless. Because, they, you know, Julian Edelman was on top of a duck boat looking at the Richard, had a Richard Sherman poster, right? Didn't he punch it or something? Richard Sherman holding up the four fingers. Well, look, Richard Sherman was, the, the reason he's on that picture was because during the Super Bowl, he's on the sideline looking into a camera go, like he's in the WWE going four, tw- right? 24, 24. That's how many points they get, 24 to 14. He's telling this to a cameraman looking into a camera on the Super Bowl. Really? I, I mean, that should be the last thing you're concerned about is what you're looking into a camera and telling the world what the score is. We know what the score is, dickhead. We, we get it. 
We can see the score right under you as you do that on the screen. We know what the score is. But, but so, so Richard Sherman put himself on this poster. He chose to be on this poster. Right? Should the Patriots have been holding up and, and punching them? It's a parade. Guys were drinking. And we saw they were drinking a lot. They were partying. Look, Eric Blunt had a teacher that said bitch mode. I get that the knee-jerk reaction to that from people outside New England is, oh, that's disrespectful, that's classless. How many times do you, uh, look, the Seahawks talk shit. If my thing is, if you can't take the heat, get, get out of the kitchen. If you're the Seahawks and you can't take something like that, and you're going to get your panties in a bunch, then guess what? Don't look into a camera and try to, to mock people and say, this is the score. Don't, don't do it. Shut your mouth. Stop talking so much shit. Just stop being, uh, just stop being foolish, right? Stop being annoying. Just be quiet for for a minute. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. So if you can't take what happened in the Patriots parade, then then don't dish it out, right? Don't dish it out. Don't give anybody fuel. But that's all they do is they give people fuel. Now, in fairness to them, they've backed it up. And when you get to the Super Bowl, I think I can still consider them as a team that quote-unquote backs it up. You get to the Super Bowl. They didn't win it, but they got there two years in a row. That's not an easy thing to do. Not at all. It's tough for some teams to even get into the playoff hunt two years in a row. Never mind get to the Super Bowl. So Seattle still backs it up. But when you do stuff like that and things don't go your way and you've added the fuel to someone else's fire, don't get your panties in a bunch when somebody is mocking you. If you can't take it, don't dish it out. That's it. So I'm not going to look at it and say it's classless and uh, the Patriots are uh, just a classless organization. They have, they're having a blast. They're having fun. And there's a lot of booze flowing around. And there's a lot of people drinking. And there's a lot of people that are celebrating. It's part of the celebration. You don't want the Patriots to celebrate? Look at your coach. Don't look at the Patriots. Look at your coach. Run the football. And when you do that, your coach will say, it's not on me. Not me. That's how we prepared. So that's where we stand uh, in this Patriots Super Bowl celebration. But obviously, a week from today is truck day here in Boston. The Boston Red Sox spring training truck will drive down to Florida for spring training, which starts very soon. Um, I don't know what other people in other cities do with truck. I don't know if people have truck day. But it's got to be one of the dumbest things we have here. I had to cover it one year for Comcast Sportsnet, one of my f- first years back in like 09. They sent me down to Fenway, and I had to interview a couple guys who were on the truck putting equipment there. I think it's getting bigger and bigger each year. But the year I did it, I think in 09, there weren't many people there. I want to say there were at the very most 100 people. At the most. I, think I don't even think there were 100 people. But the way the Red Sox do business is they're going to do everything they can to one day turn that into an event. An event. They're going to turn that into a parade. You thought the parade, they were, you like the parade there? They're going to turn Truck Day into a parade one day. It will be a parade. There'll be floats. There'll be music. There'll be owners on them. There'll be players. Uh, there will be entertainment. It's there's gonna be it's gonna be a scene. They'll open Fenway for people. It, they're trying to turn it into that. The only thing that I care about is when they do get to spring training. It does remind you of warm weather is getting closer, 
And looking out the window right now here at the Beantown Athletic Studio in Boston, Massachusetts, I can barely see out the window because the snow is almost up to the top. Uh, so the sooner the better. That The sooner the spring training gets here, the better. Truck day here in Boston is a week from today. And it leads to the poll question, which we'll answer at the end of the show after the segment with Ryan Whitney and the conversation with Ryan Whitney. Uh, the poll of the day is, now that the NFL is over, what are you most looking forward to? Spring training, the Masters, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, NFL draft, March Madness, or WrestleMania? Yeah, we threw WrestleMania in there. When I say March Madness, can we concede? Maybe I'll put in parentheses. I'll put in parentheses. Basketball and hockey, right? Now, Frozen Four is a big deal. But Frozen Four is usually in April, isn't it? But so is the Final Four. It's just the tournament for hockey isn't as big, obviously, as the NCAA college basketball tournament. Uh, But that's all in there for you. A lot of options. Uh, Myself and my producer, Pete Needham, uh, we will give our picks on that to close out the show. But right now, uh, we're going to play audio from my now weekly segment with former NHL defenseman Ryan Whitney. Uh, who joined me on the Skype hotline once again, brought to you by Violent Gentlemen. And don't go anywhere. Right after that, we'll close out the show, and we will tell you what we are most looking forward to now that the NFL season is over. Here's our segment with Ryan Whitney. And now, joining me on the Skype hotline all the way from Russia, I bring in Ryan Whitney, former NHL defenseman, Today's conversation with Ryan Whitney is brought to you by Violent Gentlemen. Make sure you go to violentgentlemen.com today to order some of the hottest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the pro sports scene. From the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentlemen honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. Violentgentlemen.com. And now I bring in Ryan Whitney, who again joins me on the Sky Hotline. What's up, Ryan? What's up, Danny? How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, so I I saw you on Twitter the other night, and uh, you had a little bit of a Boston sports rant, right? Dude, I had a little bit of a breakdown. I just broke it down. Yeah, but that's based on what you what you saw in the Super Bowl. You're in Russia. You're playing right now uh, for HC Sochi in Russia for the KHL. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But you're a Boston guy. You have to watch the Super Bowl in Russia. Tell me a little bit first about where you watched it, how you watched it, who you watched this game with. Well, so I uh, I had to think of like a plan, you know, because I'm nine hours ahead. So uh, originally, you know, I looked at the Super Bowl time and I was like, I'm just going to stay up. And then I realized that the game didn't start till 3.30 a.m. where I am. And then I saw that we had a game at 5 p.m. Sunday, you know, the, the day before. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was Monday when the game started for me, so... So I knew I wouldn't be able to stay up after a game by, you know, even if I started drinking, I wouldn't be able to to wait, you know, I would have been up till 6.30, I just wouldn't have done it. So I have a sling box, I recorded it, uh, I set the channel, you know, I recorded the game, set the channel, so when I signed on, it was like HBO, so it wouldn't be a recap of the game. And I woke up at 8.30 Russia time, just had my phone off, didn't check a thing, and just signed online got into the sling box, started watching, and it was the most emotional three hours by myself, screaming, throwing stuff, happy, miserable. 
to happy again. And then, you know, at the end, I just turned my phone off. And then the, that was the worst thing. I turned my phone on and started texting people, but it was three in the morning <laughs> in Boston. So I couldn't even talk to anyone. I was just flipping out. And flipping out, but you started tweeting and you had sort of, you, you mentioned it, a breakdown. Um, but a lot of thoughts with championships in Boston. We had another parade yesterday down Boylston Street. Uh, you know, you're someone that played in the NHL, but you didn't play here for the for the Bruins. Uh, but obviously, just judging from those tweets and talking to you about how passionate you are about this Patriots Super Bowl, you know, you've never lost that Boston sports passion for the pro teams in this town. No, I really haven't. And you know, when I was playing, um, you know, in Pittsburgh and, and Edmonton and stuff, I, I, I can't say I was like, a, you know, a huge Bruins fan. Um, you know, playing, you know, when you're playing against them, but. Even, even you know, those past few years in Edmonton when the Bruins won the Cup, once I was home, I rooted for them. And then now that I'm out of the NHL, I love them. Uh, I always love the Red Sox and the Patriots. I'm not, you know, I'm not much of a basketball guy, mm. you know, i got to be honest. But, um, no, I started tweeting that night because I, you know, I had the whole day. Finally get to talk to my, all my buddies when, I, when they woke up. And then that night I was going through all the Instagram pictures the Patriots had and watching the Brady stuff. And I was like, it's just amazing. It's absolutely amazing to be a Boston sports fan, to see the stuff we get to experience. Like, not only are you winning titles as as a Patriots fan, you're winning titles in the most exciting, like, undescribable ways. Like, there'll never be a Super Bowl like that again. Like, I could not believe that a game would end like that and we'd be on the the right side of it. Well, I can because we're just winners, but (laughs) at the same time, it it was absolutely just an incredible game. I'm sure you've been over it all, but I was... I thought they, I thought they were gonna win. Seattle looked horrible. Then I was like, oh my god, they're gonna lose. And then that catch happened, and I really, honestly, was like laughing when Curse caught that ball. I, I said, oh my god, they're actually gonna lose in a crazier way than the helmet catch. Like, yeah. how is that possible? And then you know, Butler picks it off, and I just stood up and started screaming. And I had my door open to my balcony, and there's a pool beneath me because the weather's really nice in Sochi, and people were out by the pool. And I was screaming, yes, holy shit. And people were looking up at me like, who is this American screaming English at 11 in the morning in Sochi? And then I just slammed the door and was just, I couldn't believe it. It was incredible. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that catch because, and look, everybody has the same story when you're asked. You know, it's funny because, like, one of my buddies just got back from Arizona yesterday and we're talking about the game. And, of course, you know, right, I'm on the show every day and I've been breaking it down every single day. And even when you're off the air, everybody's talking about it. But my buddy gets back from Arizona yesterday and he goes into the story telling me about you know, his emotions, he thinks, you know, I thought the game was over, and then obviously I was jumping up and down when Butler caught that interception. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, well, no shit. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody was, right? But but as, as much as the stories are the same and the emotions are the same, I can't get enough of these stories. Even though the stories are the same, I can't get enough. So that's why no. I, I was going to ask, you know, obviously was the Tyree catch in your head as Curse comes down with that football? I mean, what, the emotions, it was just crazy. They were the same for everybody, but I can't get enough of the stories that people want to uh, tell about it. It's funny. I'm right with you. Like, it's, it's, you hear all the stories end up being the same, but yeah. they're all original in a way. And um, it's funny because, you know, I was, as I was watching – I was like, all right, stop. This is it. They're going to stop. They're going to stop. They're going to win the Super Bowl. And then they make the catch, and I'm like, I wasn't even really mad. Like, I had been getting mad when, when, they, when they were up by 10, and, like, I was getting pissed then. But then when that catch happened, I was almost just like, 
oh my god, it's it's a cruel like the, this is this is karma for having those three Super Bowls. It's a cruel sport. Sports are cruel. And I was kind of just like, oh, I can't believe it. And then you look, and then I was, I actually, I tweeted this. I was, I was screaming. I'm like, call timeout, let them score. You know, I was like, because there's a minute left, give them a minute. They can get a, they can get a field goal in a minute to tie it up. Shows I know absolutely nothing. So then they showed Belichick, and I, I thought he looked like, I, I think he was like, is that a catch? Like nobody knew, is it a catch? Then you see one replay, you're like, oh my god, it was a catch. And nobody's even mentioning Butler made an amazing play to actually. Push the guy out of bounds mm. or tackle him. Yeah, you know, a lot of people I think would well, he just would have walked in. Yeah. So, so then I'm sitting there and it's a catch and I'm just like, this is such an absolute fucking joke. <laughs> like, how is this happening again? <laughs> like, oh my god, yeah. this isn't fair. And then he picked it off and it was just, it was like a, a an emotion I don't know if I'll ever have again. It was just. I couldn't believe it. I was more shocked than anything. Like, he picked it off. That's what I was screaming. He picked it off. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned the, that you wanted them to score. I was in the same boat on, on that first down play to Lynch. I'm saying, you got to let him score there. You'll have yeah, a minute so on. I wasn't alone there. I was wondering. No. Like, I don't know. See, I don't know a ton about football. I'm a huge fan, but I'm not like a stat guy. So someone like you, you were saying let him score, right? Absolutely. I was saying let him score. You got Brady a minute on the clock. Uh, you got two a couple, timeouts, yeah, two, I think. Two, it, definitely. Two timeouts, a minute on the clock. I'm saying you got to let them score right here and give your team a shot because at that point, once you see the curse catch to me, with uh, that, that was, wow, I can't believe this is happening again. But then when Lynch ran it down to the half-yard line, that's when I say, you know what? It's over. It, that's mm-hmm. it. This thing, this is done. And then we obviously have the call to throw the football. Uh, and Pete Carroll was on the Today Show, I guess, today. And I think he's still defending his play call. But oh, you- he can go take a hike. That was <laughs> absolutely. That's the other thing. At the end, I was like, oh, my God. And then Collins, I think he's great. I think he's like the best, uh, is it color guy for yeah. football? Because uh-huh. he, was, he was like, he, he, he was genu- genu- genuinely shocked. He's like, I can't believe they just did that. Like, you gotta that hear was Zolak. the worst you play hear... call of all time. You gotta hear Zolak. Oh, Zol- you see, I haven't see, I haven't heard any. That's the thing. I didn't hear any of the local stuff or see the parade stuff. That's what sucks. But I, <laughs> they got the best running back. The guy yeah. who takes like five people to tackle him, and they throw a slant. <laughs> did you did you get and I hope you do get to see it if you didn't but uh inside the NFL I, you might be able to watch it online today I think the it was on the other night they had everybody mic'd up from the Super Bowl and yeah and, I I got to see that I've seen some highlights of it I've seen like the clips you know that was like on barstool and all that yeah, but I haven't seen like the whole thing they show they show Marshawn Lynch walking off the field after the interception with his helmet off on the sideline. Walks by Pete Carroll. Carroll's head- headset is off. He threw it to the ground, and he's just standing there with his hands on his hips in shock. And Marshawn Lynch walks by him, smiling and sort of laughing, shaking his head, almost to say, you got to be shitting me. You yeah, didn't oh, give me the sure. football? For sure. He was probably like, are you? They probably called that play in the huddle. I'm surprised he wasn't like, wait, what? What you talking about? Yeah. Oh. Uh- you're not I, giving me the ball. I, 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 nobody could believe it. And then you have the interception. See, it, here's the thing. That was it. When we can all accept, and we all do, I think, and agree that that was a terrible, everybody outside of Pete Carroll, that is. We all agree that that was a terrible play call in that situation on second down. Given the fact that we all agree with that, the Patriots still needed to not just make a play. 
They needed to legit get a turnover. They needed an interception. Because I, I keep saying this about the Malcolm Butler interception. If he makes a great play and bats that ball down. Oh, they still lose. They still exactly. lose. He exactly. lit, Malcolm Butler literally ripped the Lombardi trophy out of <laughs> Carroll's hands. That's what I, he did. I could. It, the, the, it's, it's so true. Because there was a couple things about the pick. One was the fact that was the fact that it's so cool to me that it was an undrafted mm. rookie cornerback from West Alabama who I think I read was at junior college, got kicked off the team or something, got back on the team, and then was like working. He was working at like a fried chicken place or something ridiculous. He was working at like Foot Locker or something. And now he's the Super Bowl hero yeah. getting the truck from Tom Brady, who he's probably never spoken to. Brady's probably said two words to him all season. And he's making the play. And then the other part was that Sherman's face when they showed the interception. And he looked like he was going to cry. <laughs> and yesterday in the parade, Edelman had a big picture of Sherman. Um, and just they were mocking Richard Sherman during this parade. Uh, it was some funny stuff. But you mentioned the story of some of the guys in this game. And, and I think... I don't want to say this story of this play gets overlooked, but Julian Edelman, look, he's had a game for he had a game for himself, and he's had a, a season for himself the last two years. But I actually I just wrote a column on him last night that will be in the Boston Metro uh, tomorrow, and it's on Edelman and really going back to his story, which I think is the best story uh, on the team, which is the fact that he was a quarterback in college, right? He almost goes undrafted. He gets drafted in the seventh round. And the best part of the story to me is when they went to the Super Bowl in 2011, this guy in the AFC Championship game that year is playing both offense and defense. He was covering Anquan <laughs> Bolden at times. He played. Have you ever seen anything in professional sports like a guy that switches com positions completely from what? Now, it might be different no, in hockey. It's, it's with, insane. But, but have you. I mean. What it's would it insane. would you, if a if a coach ever came up to you and said, "Hey, do you want to play forward?" I mean, it's been done. I think for a couple games, some defensive. Yeah, maybe but it would be up. like, but it would be like if I played. It would be like if I played at Curry as a defenseman, so I couldn't <laughs> even play D one hockey as a defenseman, and then I was playing on the Bruins power play <laughs> forward on the half wall. <laughs> yeah, it was like it, it's incredible. The Patriots coaching is unbelievable. The fact that everyone, you know, I saw the Edelman highlight of him slapping the Sherman sign, which is mm. so cool because because that team talks so much shit that, like, they deserve everything they get. You know, the Patriots never really do that stuff. Maybe they do it on the field, which is fine, but they don't do it in the media. There's no. a big difference. Mm -hmm. And they, they, during the game, when, when the Seahawks are up 10, there's a shot on the sideline as the Patriots had a punt, and then Wilson's coming onto the field and Pete Carroll, and they're standing there laughing. They're smiling. Mm -hmm. They're laughing. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying. I, rem I remember. I, re I specifically remember. I'm sitting right where I was sitting watching the game. And I was like, what a bunch of pieces. Of Look at them laughing. I was like, and Pete Cow's got that stupid little, wow. like, kind of, like, smirky, like, stupid, goofy <laughs> grin. I'm like, this guy's like, how are they beating us? I'm like, what is going on? Uh. And then just the fact that Pete Carroll coached the Patriots, and then in the end gets just completely outcoached, makes a horrible decision. It was perfect. It was unbelievable. Everything was perfect. Everything came up perfect for us again. Yeah, and the emotions running high. Uh, speaking with Ryan Whitney, uh, he joins me. He's in Russia. We're doing Skype to Skype right now, and this call, Skype to Skype with 
you know, look, Skype isn't giving me money, uh, but I got to say, this is as clear a phone call as I've ever had maybe in my entire life. And I you're, know. And you're I, in Russia. It feels like we're right. It feels like <laughs> I'm there, which I would do anything to be sitting yeah. in that studio and not in Russia right now. Well, so at least it lets me imagine that. All right, we'll, we'll get to what's going on with you in Russia and Sochi in the KHL in just a few minutes, but I want to stick with this, you know, the Super Bowl, uh, and I got to get your take from afar. You know, you're in Russia. And you're trying to keep up with the with the news, which which I I don't think is too difficult, given the fact that you know Twitter now is where everybody gets their news. But I'm gonna let you vent right now. I'm gonna let you rant because Deflategate. I get to sit behind this mic every day for the last two weeks, and I get to I, I get to lose my cool about Deflategate and how stupid a story this was. What was your reaction from Russia? as to how people took that Deflategate story and went out of control with it. What, what was your take on all that? Well, I was, like, like you said, it, it's, we- it's really weird for me because everything happens, like, I get everything the next day, you know, because, like, everyone will be tweeting and stuff's happening at, like, 2 o'clock, and it's right when I'm going to bed, you know, mm-hmm. midday. So I always, I, I don't ever get to be, like, really a part of anything, you know, tweeting that's happening, but the next day I catch up. And then I'm like, Jesus, I would have loved to have been, like, talking to people during that. Mm. So when Deflategate, when, when all that stuff originally came out the Monday morning after the indie game, first I was like, what? I was like, who cares, you know? Like, I think most normal, I think most kind of, I'm not a fringe football fan, but I'm a, when it comes to the rules, I don't know anything. But I was like, oh, that doesn't matter. I was like, they won by 100. I'm like, they could have been carrying a softball. They would have beat them by 100. Yeah. Like, well, who cares, you know? Mm-hmm. So then as it got bigger and bigger, then I was starting to get pissed. And then I was starting to get worried. I was, as a fan, I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, is this really going to, like, tarnish, like, their legacy? Like, is this that big a deal? When when I start seeing these ridiculous clown, like, professionals like Chris Carter and uh, all these other guys become uh, so, like and, – and, and, well, who's that that idiot that started – what's his name? Uh, he started crying. Brunel. He's uh, crying. What a, he's a, what a, this guy. That guy should have, like, he should be fired. He shouldn't be allowed to, he should be in, like, a mental institution. <laughs> he was crying yeah, because a, of the weight of a football. And it's not even the weight. See, that's what, that's where, you know, people kept saying, well, it's two pounds lighter, the ball's smaller. No, it's two PSIs. You can't even tell the difference yeah, in that. exactly. So, like, so then I'm watching that, um, and I was like, oh, my God. But then Brady and Belichick, so they did the press conference, yeah. um, and they said, you know, we didn't do anything. And I, and, and I was like, great. I'm like, there's no way those guys are going to be saying that if there's anything out there. Because they, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if they then get caught lying, then they'd be really fucked. So I was, I was confident then, but then people started saying they were lying. And, it was, and then I was just sick of it. <laughs> but by the final, like, by the, by the time the game started, I was like, okay, at least it's over. You know what I mean? But after the game, I was thinking about it, and people are still kind of bringing it up. But notice, notice now it's like becoming that it was like a total sting operation. It was all a bunch of bullshit. But I was thinking like the whole reason behind it, it's just because the Patriots are so good. Yep. And everyone's been saying that, but like everyone hated Bill Walsh, and they hated the 49ers, and then they hated the Cowboys. And it's just winning breeds like contempt and hatred from people who are just so jealous. And and like I think people outside New England see like, oh, they, they think it's because 
you know, we, we just hate them because they're so good. No, that's not why. It 100% is why everyone hates the Patriots. Yeah, because every time in mid-January when somebody has to – when a football fan whose team isn't in the playoffs has to turn on the TV and see Tom Brady and Bill Belichick every single year. Exactly. I know, I know they haven't – I know they're not winning the Super Bowl every year, even though maybe it but feels like there, it. But, but they're, they're there. They're, they're in the Final Four. I mean, they made four, four straight AFC championships. That's That's insane. Nine of 12, nine of the last yeah. 12 years. It's crazy. But the thing is, like, I, what I don't understand is I think that most of the people you hear from, they have to be, like, just just people who don't know sports, that didn't grow up playing sports or didn't like sports because as a, as a, as a person who I think, I, I mean, I believe I know sports pretty well. I'm a big sports fan that if, if this was another team, I could admit, I could be like, you know what, I just, I just don't like them because they're so good. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, you don't actually hear, like, a, a lot of people say that's why they, they, that they're bringing this stuff up. Like they, bring, like, they try to lie and say, no, it's about the integrity of the game. Like, oh, my God, listen to yourself. Listen to how crazy you sound. Yeah. Like, you think that had anything to do with anything? Like, just admit you're just jealous. <laughs> well, look, Wit, I mean, I actually think the Patriots do something to the football that gives Brady the grip that he wants. Um, but... My my problem is I'm not going to attack the Patriots because everybody does it, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and Trent Trent Dilfer was great pregame Super Bowl. He looks over. He's sitting next to Ray Lewis, and he's sitting next to, in, in between Ray Lewis and Steve Young. It's pregame Super Bowl on ESPN. And Trent Dilfer, you know, former NFL quarterback, right? Um, it's been in the big game. He looks at them. He says, "I'm surprised that." Some of my colleagues, people who have played the game, he says, I'm surprised that we have reacted the way we we have to the air pressure in a football. And he looks at Ray Lewis, he says, says, the Seahawks have been busted for Adderall and breaking off-season practice rules. If they win this game, are we going to be talking about that? And Ray Ray Lewis didn't say anything. And then he looks at no. Steve Young, and he talks about how the 49ers used to, you know, what, place guys on injured reserve to, to save the salary cap or whatever they used to do. I don't know the specifics of it, but basically implying that everybody in the league does things to stretch the rules. And when it comes to the footballs, every quarterback and every team is doing something to the football. The issue here is a league issue. They never really check for PSIs in a football before a game. So whatever the Patriots have been doing to the football, they've just been getting away with it. But so is but so is everybody else. And that's why, to me, it was a non-issue because everybody is doing it. So, so But let me ask you this, Whit. In, in the National Hockey League, right? Yeah. Are there things that go on that that don't go that aren't exactly by the book? Like, are there you know? And I think some people try to bring up the analogy of, well, it's like if a coach went over and said, "Hey, check this guy's stick. Check the curve on his stick." You know, and, and you're saying, "Come on, really? You're really going to do that right now?" It, is yeah, that a similar? Uh, a, is it, that? I mean, does that compare to what the Colts maybe did when they contacted the league about this football? I think I think that's a fair comparison. Um. I'll get into this real quick, but by the way, how about how about the fact that he's having to tell Ray Lewis this? The guy murdered someone, and he's <laughs> like, "Shut the hell up, Ray Lewis, you clown!" So, so back to the hockey thing. Um, yeah, it, it is. You you can make that comparison to the to the stick, but it's almost like even worse than that because if you want to make that call, and in the playoffs you'll see teams reach it, reach for a call um, to get a power play. That's what I was going to say. If you make that call and the guy's stick is illegal, the curve's illegal, you actually get a power play, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. This was worse because 
it was just sour grapes from losing. It was after the game. Like, they didn't even if, – if they could have done something mid-game to get them, I don't know, a 15-yard penalty or something to get them back in the game, I'm talking the Colts, then okay, whatever. You know, you're, you're trying to get an advantage, just like the Pats were if they did do something to the balls. But you're doing it after because you lost and you're mad that Brady said learn the rules like us? Like, that is so pathetic. Like, could you ever imagine Belichick losing the AFC title game and then for two weeks trying to, like, make the other team that beat him look bad? It was just so pathetic. It was like, I can't even believe it. I get so riled talking about it because it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing for Harbaugh, who you know was the one who originated all because him and Pagano were boys. And it's embarrassing for the Colts. Are there things that happen in the NHL though, where guys stretch, you know, stretch the rules a little bit to get an edge, or what? Yeah, I mean, it's it's I'm it, it's I'm kind of racking my brain for something that w- that would be an example, but yeah, for sure. I mean, every 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 uh, every professional league, you know, they do whatever they can to win games. Now, mm-hmm. it, there's times when that maybe is stretching the rules a hundred percent. I wish I could think of an example. I yeah. really can't because that was so minor. You know, like you can't. The pucks are the pucks are rubber. They're frozen, man. Can't do anything to those. Yeah. But I mean, I, I really, I really don't. You know, maybe, maybe saying the guy isn't going to play and then he's playing. Like that's all I can think of. But things happen. I mean, you're going to do whatever you can to win. And if you get, I mean, it's it's almost similar to. I mean, if you know a guy's got a bad ankle in the playoff series, you're going at that guy's ankle. I mean, I don't know if that's really similar, but that's just. I mean, that's against the rules, technically, right? I don't when, know. When, when a guy in your team in, in a big spot draws a penalty, and it might look like he dove. You know, I, I think there's people in the media that want to criticize here locally. Uh, you know, a guy like Marchand, who maybe at times certainly dives. Or we look at the Canadians here in Boston, we say, oh, they're diving for penalties. I mean, it, sure, it happens a lot with Montreal, but it happens on other teams. When you're on the uh, – uh, and I'm sure you've played with guys in situations where they took a dive and draw a penalty. You're not sitting there going, oh, this guy, you know, he's a cheater, he's diving. You're, you're giving him a tap on the shin pads, right, for, for getting you guys a power play? Or how are you reacting to that? Yeah, it's funny. Like when <laughs> – it's really funny you brought that up because last game here in Russia, we were playing against a team and they have a North American guy, um, this kid Jeff Platt. And he took a di- we were on the we were on the penalty kill. They were up a man. He took a dive, so they went on a two man advantage. And I was like, I skated by. I'm like, you piece of shit. I'm like, that's so <laughs> embarrassing. What a fucking joke. You're a North American over here, and you're acting like them diving. You <laughs> piece of shit. And and then I was thinking on the bench. I'm like, I would be loving that if he, that was my team. And now we were on a five on three. So it's like. That's one of the ones where you're like, that a boy, buddy, if he's on your team. And you're like, you're an embarrassment if you're not. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, you want, you want your, your teammate to do whatever he can by any means to help you win a game. Speaking with Ryan Whitney, he is in Russia right now. He joins us in the Skype hotline. We're going Skype to Skype. And this conversation presented by Violent Gentleman. Make sure you go to violentgentleman.com right now. So, Whit, you're obviously... You know, Bostonian, big Boston sports fan. You're rooting for the Patriots out there by yourself in Russia. Uh, it, it brings me to this question, because when I think of you as this big Patriots fan jumping up and down, and now you're playing in Sochi, you know, I, in my head, I wonder, do you, has, did the thought ever cross your mind in your NHL career to say, hey, I really want to play for the Bruins, and I want to actually do whatever I can to make this happen? And did it ever... Come, did you ever come close to playing in Boston and playing for your hometown team? Yeah, I mean, I never had actually um, 
been like, oh, I really, really want to play at home. Because in some ways, sometimes it can be tough. You know, you got every game, you get, look, people are looking for tickets and just being a hometown guy. It would have been awesome. But I never really was, like, looking out for it. And then um, my last year in Edmonton, uh, we were we were kind of, like, right, believe it or not, I don't know how, we were right, like, in the playoffs. I think we were in the eighth spot in the West the day the deadline came. And a week or two before, we'd been, like, in ninth or tenth, and there was a – I had a couple texts, like, hey, did you get traded to the Bruins? And I was like, what? And then Bob McKenzie sent a tweet out that it was possibly going to happen, and we we were getting on a plane. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. Am I getting traded to the Bruins? <laughs> and nothing ended up happening. I don't know if it was – if it was if something almost did happen or um, it was all made up, but it was, like – out there from no like you know legitimate sources that that I could possibly come and I remember being so excited one to just get out of Edmonton but two is the fact that it was the Bruins would have been just unbelievable so um I you know unfortunately that was as close as I as close as I ever came was it was a couple tweets I'll tell I'll tell you this I can remember I think I remember the exact night that you're talking about I was up in the Bruins press box and the word was buzzing that you were coming to the Bruins yeah, I know. Oh, that would have been. I, I remember. I think there had to be a, something there. I mean, who knows who it started, if it was through Edmonton or through Boston. But there was something there. And I and that was the year that they um that they traded for Caberlet. Yeah, it And was. they went to the finals. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe maybe they were looking at me before him. But, um, you know, needless to say, it would have been so cool. It would have been unbelievable. Like, just, li- I, you know, where I live in Charlestown, I, I, I could see the garden out my you know, out my building, I could have walked to the rink. I, oh, I get, I get upset thinking about how awesome that would have been, even if it was from the deadline on, you know, if it was one of those half-season things. But uh, unfortunately, it wasn't to be. What, what's going on in Edmonton? Are they ever going to turn things around or what? I don't know. It's, um, I feel bad because, you know, like Everly and Hall, I lived with those guys my last year playing there. They're two of my really good friends in the league. Um, and it's just crazy to see see what's happened there. I mean, I don't. I, they have so many similar players, you know. Like they, they, they have a lot of. They have Nugent Hopkins, Eberle, and Hall, who are these. I wouldn't say undersized, but they're 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 similar players. They're very offensive. They're very talented. Um, off the rush, they're unbelievable. But they're not really like cycle guys, like someone like a Getzlaff or a bigger forward. Mm. So that that kills them. And the biggest thing is that they don't have like a. Like a stud defenseman. Like you look at it, you look at the best teams in the league. They have a stud defenseman. LA's got Doughty. Chicago's got Keith and Seabrook. Boston's got Chara. Hamilton's gonna be one. Um, you go to Nashville. They got, they're the best. One of the best teams in the league. They got Shea Weber. To be a, a Stanley Cup winning team, you need a legit superstar defenseman. And Edmonton doesn't have that. Um, they haven't had a goalie. You know, it's all. It's just. It's a crazy situation there. It really is. It's. It's. I don't know what what they'll do to get out of it. Maybe they get McDavid. Or Eichel, um, they seem like they could be, be be the answer to a couple organizations. But the the Oilers had three first round picks in a row, first yeah. overall picks in a row. I mean, like, what what else can you do? Um, I think the Yakupov kid's really been a disappointment. I don't know if he'll ever make it um, as a, as a star player in the NHL. So when you have the first overall pick and he doesn't turn into a, a real star, it, it kills you. And that's happened with that pick. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of things there that. I mean, those fans deserve better. They really do because they love hockey. I mean, it's a big city. There's a million people there, and they only have one team. It's, imagine Boston with just mm. the Bruins. So it, it's, it sucks for them right now. 
So what brought you to Sochi? You're playing right now um, for HC Sochi in Russia for the KHL. The people who haven't heard from you in a while, and maybe you know fans in, in Edmonton and some of the other teams you played for, who are asking, you know, what what brought Ryan Whitney to the KHL? Uh, why, why'd you make this move? Well, I um, I didn't have any um, you know NHL offers this summer, um, and I wish I had started kind of looking. To Europe a little sooner, but I didn't. Uh, I thought I'd be in North America, and there were other circumstances. And then I, so I went to camp on a tryout with uh, the Blues, St. Louis Blues. And at the end, you know, they're they're a, they're a stack team. It was more. I, it kind of came out of nowhere. The night before camp, they called me, so I went out there, um, had a pretty good camp, and then right after camp, got you know went home, and they didn't you know they didn't have a spot for me, understandably, and. Went home and had some talk to a guy that that deals with European stuff, and I really wanted to go play in Switzerland, um, which is everyone loves playing there. Hopefully, I get there at some point. We'll see. But you know, there was nothing open. They there's only four imports a team in that league, and you know, Sochi called, which is you know, this is a the first year um, that Sochi has a team in the KHL. Putin kind of forced them to put a team here late in the summer, uh, with the rink being here from the Olympics, a beautiful rink. Uh, so I looked into Sochi. Honestly, it's got the same same climate as like uh, probably like a San Jose or San Francisco. It's never colder than 50 degrees, never snows. Most of the time it's 60, sunny. I live right on the Black Sea. So for Russia, it's about as good as you can get when it comes to the weather. I mean, everywhere else is just gray and snow and miserable. Um, and the team, you know, we were, we were actually in last place when I got here. So I was like, oh, God, what's this going to be like? But we we've gone on a real real nice run. I've played thirty games, and I think we've we're twenty and ten in those games, and we're in uh, we're in seventh place in the Western Conference, up from last. So looking to make the playoffs, and it's been good. It's been a, it's been a crazy experience. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There's been some things that I've seen here that are just uh, unbelievable. For example, like the day I got here, I um. They, I got here at like four in the morning. They, they, they said they'd pick me up at 10 in the morning. No one really speaks English. So you're like, what's yeah. going on? They bring me to the hospital for like all this blood testing and stuff and, you know, get all these tests, tests done. The hospital looks like it's in like Costa Rica. It's made of like paper mache. I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? And I start getting my blood pressure taken by a nurse who is smoking a cigarette right in my face. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> She's right in my face. Blowing the smoke in basically my mouth. I'm like what? smoking the cigarette with her as she's doing my blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, this is my first first Russian experience. I mean, is it, it's and there's been some crazy things, but uh, the league's great. I mean, the hockey's really good. It's the, definitely the second best league in the world. I spent some time in the AHL last year, and there's teams here who are who are ridiculous, um, that spend a lot of money, that have some great teams and great players, so it's cool. How many How many Americans are on your team? Uh, we have, um, so there's five imports allowed on every KHL team, and that's just non-Russian. If you're not from Russia, you're an import, so mm-hmm. a lot of teams have, you know, Czechs and, and Swedes as their imports, but our team's allowed seven because we're, we're a first-year team, and there's, there's myself and another American, uh, it's a kid from uh, Michigan who's played over here for four years now. And then there's a Canadian um, kid, Corey Emerton, played on the Red Wings last year, really good player. And then we have two Finns, a Czech, and a Swede. So there's two other North Americans to talk to. Um, 
But yeah, there's some long, lonely days here. Uh, but there's also some things that you know I'll never forget. I'm really happy I came, to be honest. I mean, I'm looking to get home, <laughs> but I'm happy I came to experience it. What's the mindset for players in that league? From for I'll say the, we'll say the majority of players is the mindset uh, to make a living in the KHL, or are a lot of guys in that league saying, "Hey, eventually I want to get to the NHL." Is that is getting to the NHL a, a mindset of the majority of players in that league, or not? Just I guess to give me a vibe of. Of what it's like playing in that league and, and really what the goal is over there when people are playing? Well, the goal for imports, um, and I'm not, this is not one word of a lie, is to make money. I mean, you're over here for one reason, and that as, a, as an import is to make as much money as you can because they pay money over here that, that's just, it's, it's unbelievable how much money they pay. Now, this was all before the ruble crash, which is a totally different story, but. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what imports are doing over here. I mean, you're not choosing to live in Russia, trying to, you know, like you're not you're not choosing to be here. Like, oh, I can't wait to go to Russia. You're just looking to make as much money as you can. And for the Russian guys, I mean, this is what they grew up with. They um, this is their league. Uh, they're very proud of it. The team, I mean, teams get ridiculous crowds. There's a KHL channel that shows games and highlights and like uh, you know NHL Tonight's type stuff all day. It's huge here, and so there's a lot of Russian players who I think um, would love to play in the NHL, but they also know that this is where they'll always be, and they'll make a—I mean, they'll be in the top one percent of of uh, wealth in this country playing in this league. So um, there's a couple of guys I've seen that could definitely play in the NHL, five or six for sure that stick out right when I think of it. That are just could easily be in the NHL, but you know maybe don't speak any English, just have no desire to be mm. over there, and. It's just how it is. So what's your future hold after this season? I mean, you mentioned, uh, what, Switzerland? I mean, what, is it a possibility? And this is coming from someone like myself. Look, I've, uh, I've never played professionally, so I, I don't know. Um, that's why I'm trying to get your mindset. Is the NHL still something that you think of? Or, or are you, have you moved on from that and you're still thinking of just you know, remaining in Europe and, and playing in other countries? Yeah, I, I think of the NHL a little bit, but I think it's just kind of um... – my health's got – that's kind of put that to rest in a, in a little way. Now, I would love to get there. Who knows if after the season maybe a team saw me. and I've, I've had a good season over here, which is good. Um, so you never know. But at the same time, um, I, you know, I don't know how much long I'm going to play, maybe a year, maybe two. Uh, I'd love to play in Swe- Sweden or Switzerland, experience. You know, those, those are – the stories you hear from playing over there are just outstanding. And here it's, uh, it's tough living playing hockey here. I mean, when we practice hard two hours a day. A lot of days you go back to the rink for a lift that night. Like the Russian culture is it's work hard and then work harder. There isn't much rest. They don't, they practice long, long hours. So that's, that's not really what you're accustomed to when you hear of playing hockey in Europe. Usually it's, um, you know, two games a week, you're having fun. You're, you're with your buddies, your practice practices aren't aren't too bad. You're really just having, having a ball playing hockey again. And here it it can be tough. So, um, personally we'll see what happens this summer. Um, I'm in no rush to really figure anything out. I've been lucky, uh, lucky the career I've had. So um, if this is it, we'll see. But I'd like to keep playing. We'll just see what happens. It, 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 you never know. I could come back here. I don't. I, I really could never say never. But it'd mm-hmm. be also nice to really be in a in a great spot in a beautiful city where people actually speak English. <laughs> Wit, I always thought the Russian hockey culture was play hockey and then maybe do a whole lot of drinking. Oh, there's drinking, but um, <laughs> there's a lot of drinking. But they, they make sure that it happens. Like, you'll have days off, but 
they really keep control of the guys because they know if they give them any leeway, these guys go off the wall bananas and they'll just disappear. So um, you really gotta gotta be ready to work when you come over to Russia. Like Ovechkin, I think Ovechkin might have been drinking a little bit during All Star Weekend. I saw some highlights. Yeah, he was loaded during that draft. Huh? <laughs> that was funny. He was on the vodka, I'm sure. What do you think He's... of the way the the NHL handles the All Star Weekend right now? I actually think that they do an unreal job with everything but the game because the game is just embarrassing. Mm. Like, I, like, the draft's kind of fun. Like, what else are you going to do, really, to pick teams? I mean, you can pick teams east-west, but at least the draft gives people, like, you see the guys' personalities a little bit. Um, you got some laughs with Doughty and Ovechkin being drunk, um, things like that. I mean, at least that's, like, somewhat fun for the fans. Um, the skills competition's decent, but then that game is like, what are, what are we watching yeah. here? I mean, I, and you can't really do much with the game because guys are never going to hit. Um, it's always going to be just a skill, high-scoring game, but I don't know. All-star games besides the baseball game are all brutal. The Pro Bowl's the worst. Mm. Um, you know, basketball's a joke to begin with. Hockey's is turning kind of into a joke. At least baseball, you can try your hardest. That's the difference, you know? Yeah. I don't really know what else they could do with that. No, we'll we'll see what they do. You know, you know they're always trying to change something with it, but uh, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Like you said, there's only so much you can do with the actual game. Uh, with when you just mentioned that the weather is real nice there, and it brings me really to the bean pot. It got canceled. Oh. It got postponed from Monday night. They had to play it Tuesday night because of all the snow that we have here. Uh, so we obviously have much worse weather than you do. Uh, but BU. Uh, they win in an OT, and they're in the finals against Northeastern. You get to watch any of the bean pot? Man, I got to. Uh, I recorded that one. Um, I couldn't do it, it. was for the finals. I'll do the the Super Bowl recording, not look at my phone and watch. Yeah. But for you know, for the semis, BU's BU standard. You know, we we don't really do <laughs> constellation games over at BU for the bean pot. What did you we, win? We, did you win three of three of four yeah, bean pots? Yeah, you're in? I, I won three of three. three I of won three. three you know, yeah. No. Oh, oh my God. I. You know what? I lost my junior year. I, I turned pro after my junior year. My junior year, we lost in overtime. Jesus, that hurt. Oh. We did. But I, didn't, I never played in the Constellation game. I remember when I got to BU, right, the, the practice week before the, my first Beanpot game, Parker goes, we don't play in Constellation games, boys. <laughs> so I always <laughs> laugh at that because BU usually is in the finals. And at least BC's run, those pigeons won't win this year. It's great to see them lose, even though it would have been nice as a BU fan to beat them in the finals. But – We'll have to beat Northeastern. That's how I beat my freshman year to win. So um, I love the bean pot. It's, I'm glad you brought that up. Best tournament going. Something that every Boston kid kind of, I wouldn't say dreams of playing in, but, but wishes they could growing up and things like that. And They were definitely my favorite memories at but, BU. But you won all three. Of, my point was you won all three of your semifinal games. Oh, yeah. Right? You were in the we don't play. We don't yeah. play. I never played in a Constellation game. No way. All right. So we'll, yeah. we'll keep an we eye went, on we, BU we, Northeastern. We, 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 because I couldn't imagine. That 5 o'clock game, no one's there. That's no. got to be a miserable game to play in. Miserable. And you know what? We're getting another storm Sunday night. So it might get postponed again to, to Tuesday, so this, Wednesday. You guys are getting pounded with We're more. Getting... This, is, this is just killing my thoughts of like getting home and golfing anytime yeah. soon. No, stay where you are and golf there. Is it, are you yeah. golf? I mean, well, I'm not staying where I am. Nah. I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, I'll go to Phoenix or something. Yeah, you got to figure something out. Uh, he is Ryan Whitney here. We're going to – you're going to have you on every week now, right? I mean, this, we're going to make this a weekly thing. Do you get back? Oh, we'll this, get you in this studio. Is, this is unreal. This is what I love to do, talk sports, mm -hmm. talk about teams and athletes maybe we don't like, 
Usually, me and you have similar uh, opinions. I think on most most things happening. Well, in common sport, sense. Would you say? I think I think we we have common sense. I think that's we're why. common sense guys. That's yeah. what we are. We realize when our guys you know fuck up, we can say it. Yep. And we move on, but we don't make excuses, and we root for our teams with passion. I think that that's a very honorable thing that we both do. Yeah, and I think, you know, coming from yourself, look, you're a professional athlete, and I think one thing that a lot of people, whether it's analysts or even fans, don't want to acknowledge is that there's a major, and and this is what I always take into account when I'm thinking of something that goes on in a game or off the field or off the ice uh, or any issues that come up. There's a human nature aspect with professional athletes that I just don't think people want to grasp and hold on to, right? I, I mean, with most, you know, whether it's uh, scandals or whether it's things that are happening, uh, people having issues and a losing skid. I mean, there's a lot of hu- human nature stuff that goes on in professional sports with the professional athlete, right? That people just, just don't want to accept. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's funny. Like, I... Uh... I'll never forget when I when I was like you know seventeen or sixteen and I was starting to it started to look like it could be a possibility that I would be become a you know an, an NHL player and I'd always dreamed of it and my father said to me and I don't know how he knew because he certainly wasn't a professional athlete <laughs> but he he said you know are you sure you want to do this because it's not there's not it's there's way more to it than you know and like he's a big sports fan smart guy and I at the time I was like yeah what are you talking about. Mm. And then, like, as you, as you become an athlete and you deal with things, and, and I actually am really lucky. I, I mean, I didn't – there was no Twitter until my first five, six years in the league, even seven, I don't think there was Twitter. So I didn't deal with any of that stuff. But it's hard because you are paid a lot of money, and you have millions of people or, you know, thousands of people in whatever city you play in that expect certain things out of you and have a right to say whatever they want to say about you because they pay money. They pay money to watch you play, to go to your games. But people do forget that athletes are normal guys, especially hockey players. They're guys that um, I'm not going to say like have feelings, like that sounds a little ridiculous, mm. but they, they care about you know what people think of them like anyone else in the world does. So I think that athletes, they give off this persona and vibe that they're invincible and that nothing can bother them, but things bother them. And off-field and off-ice things affect anyone, the, you know, affect athletes the same way that stuff away from work affects you or your, your buddies, you know. So um, it, a lot of times being an athlete can be kind of a, like a lonely world because a lot of people don't really know what you're going through. And if you were to try to complain about what you're going through, if you're going through stuff, People are like, shut up, dude. You're you're in the NHL. What are you talking? Best life in the world. Well, yeah, it is. It's I'm blessed to be playing in the NHL or was, but it's also there's other stuff that goes on that people don't really, you know, always realize. All right, I'll I'll, I'll let you go on this. Okay, I did a poll of the day on the website every day, DannyPicard.com, and my poll of the day yesterday was whose duck boat would you want to be on during the New England Patriots championship parade? And here are the options I gave you. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, Chandler Jones, or Robert Kraft? You can only pick one. We'll say they're all all on different duck boats. We'll just say they're all on different duck boats, and you have to pick whose duck boat you'd like to be on. Um... All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of Brady, Belichick, and Chandler Jones right away. Just because, you know, whatever, that's my opinion. Brady, he's, you know, he's older now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belichick's quiet, I feel. He wouldn't say anything. I don't really know anything about Chandler Jones. So then it brings me to Edelman and Gronk. 
and Gronk Robin and Robert Kraft. Uh, yeah, see, Kraft, he's kind of leading my thing right now if yeah. I were to pick, I think, because he's the man. He's got some sick Air Force One <laughs> bedazzled sneakers on. Um, Gronk. But then I think I think it's got to be Gronk, man. Yesterday, those clips of him. You could you could be the biggest Patriots hater in the world. How do you not love this guy? He is the funnest, most out of control player, teammate, sports personality I've ever seen. Like the the clip of him getting the shot or the nip of um a fire a fireball, fireball. or whatever that is, yeah. and just his face lighting up and him crushing it and spiking it. It's like the guy was meant to be in the spotlight, and he loves it. And he's being himself too. Like yeah. I just love that guy. I, I'd pick him. It's yeah, Gronk he's a, look. Gronk's a big goof, and uh, he's got to be one of the more lovable uh, characters that we've ever had in this town. Probably, maybe even For sure. in a professional. He might be sports. number one. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like I saw the clip of him leaving the club in L.A. and and then like TMZ's taking pictures of him, and then he's like, "Hold on, this chick's coming." The chick's coming. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's like any guy. It's like any guy's like that's what I'd be doing if I was him. Like that's what I would be doing. Mm-hmm. He's doing it perfectly. And Edelman. And he's like, and he's a superstar. Edelman had a day for himself too. But you know what? I'm picking Robert Kraft. Yeah, I, he's right there. I I can't blame you for that because he's the man. That is, he's the coolest, best owner in sports. I'd say. Yeah. Well, when you when you just can invite Rick Ross to your party and get and on call stage, him Ricky. call, and call him Ricky, him Ricky Ross. Ross. I mean, people joked. I think Deion Sanders, he said it on the NFL Network set after the game, and Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin were like, wait, what? And Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft was dead serious, and they were dying laughing. And, and you know, Robert Kraft was dead serious. He's wearing yeah, his he Air Force Ones. Friend, you can call him Ricky. He's wearing his personalized Air Force Ones, and he's invi- he's got Ricky Ross showing up to the Super Bowl party. He's on stage dancing with him. He, stuff you can't make up. You couldn't it's make up what happened the last two weeks with this Patriots team. You can't make up any of it. You really can't. And it's funny, yeah. And it's it's. I, I was talking to my dad last night. And I hadn't talked to him since the Super Bowl. And uh, I was saying, I was like, it was it was my favorite Super Bowl, too. Like, of the four they've won, I thought this was the best one. Not only the game was the best game, but it just brought, like, Brady Belichick to that next level. It validated everything, and it just – it was it was my favorite one. Number four was the best one, which you never would guess. You know, if you win four in 12 or 13 years, you'd think, oh, number one's got to be it. But four was it for me. Well, the parade next year when they win it again will be just as nice. One for the thumb. Yeah, you need five. Brady will get that fifth. I'm telling you, he will. He probably will. Honest to God, the, their defense. I mean, as if they resign Revis, I think the whole defense is back, right? Yeah, I think so too. People have people have said, "Well, is Will Fork done? Will he will he go out on top if he wins?" And I'm saying, "Look, I know he came back from a tough Achilles injury. He's 33. He's obviously a bigger dude, but he played a full season, and he's got to look around himself, saying, well, I got these young kids, Jamie Collins and Hightower behind me. We're gonna bring back Revis." Tom Brady, yeah, if man, he can continue to get protection, they, this team's going to be fine. They, look, they very well could be playing in the Super Bowl again next year in San Francisco. Here's the, here's the thing, e- easily, but like even if they don't get to the Super Bowl, a hundred percent they'll be like first round bye probably. Yep. Like it, like just the fact that they're going to be in it again is so it's so like it's becoming like I, I really I really hope that kids are a like. We, we, we remember when teams kind of sucked, you know, when we were like 14, 15, everyone sucked. You know, no one was good growing up. We were always yep. like, we never won titles. So I think the kids from Boston who are like 20 now, they're probably like, oh, this is what it's like. 
You're like, no, yeah. man, this isn't what it's like. You have no idea what it's really like. I can remember nine. I can remember the Super Bowl in '97. I was a huge Drew Bledsoe fan. Okay, a huge Drew Bledsoe fan, and I, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna hide from that. I love the guy. I love Drew Bledsoe. Um, but yeah, when they went, I can remember how I felt when they went to that Super Bowl. It was surreal. It was like. The Patriots are in the Super Bowl? I exactly. saved I Shock. saved every newspaper. I saved every newspaper every single day throughout the playoffs thinking, wow, like this is real life. Like the Patriots, Bill Parcells, Drew Bledsoe, we're going to the Super Bowl. I know. And now they I go know. to the Super Bowl and it's like, well, yeah, they belong here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm, and like, oh, we like, and if you don't make the Super Bowl, kids are like bitching. You're like, dude, what? I'm like, this isn't like normal what they're doing. No. This isn't like... Oh, it's just incredible. To be a Boston sports fan is the past 13 years is something that I don't think any city will ever remotely come close to doing. I mean, not even every city has four teams, and we got teams that have all won. Mm. And the Bruins, I'm telling you, they're, the Bruins are – Montreal is a scary matchup for them, but everyone else in the East, they can beat. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with them. They could make some moves. They could be right back in the, in the hunt come, come you know April and May. Well, so look, we'll look, the Bruins struggled for a little bit there, and there were people yeah, that really— Yeah, that's a good thing. Like, I think that's a good thing in a way. You know, get it out of the way, and now they're rolling. I mean, last night sucked, but— Well, look, I'm never going to be a guy that looks at the Bruins and says, especially with Claude Julian as the coach, I'm never going to be a guy that looks at the Bruins and says, hey, they need to improve offensively, or they need to have this— outrageous offense to win. No, they got a goaltender that just won the Vezina. They got Zidane Ochara, who, as he gets back now from this injury, as we've seen, he certainly is improving. I will never understand the Johnny Boychuk trade. I, for my no, life... No, no, that one... Yeah, I, it, 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 that, that one sucked. That sucked. I that, nev- that, that actually makes me think that they won't do anything this year, because that was <laughs> such a bad trade. It's terrible. But like if you were gonna lose, you were gonna lose them. Like just lose them and try to win it. I, that was stupid. Yeah, you got to take a shot. You got to take a shot while you can, and you got to take a shot yeah. while Chara still has something left in the tank. But is wit? It's true though. You get into the playoffs, and if you have a hot goaltender and you got that, you know, shut down D guy in Zidane Chara who can still log the minutes. You know, it, there's no other sport like the NHL where you can say, "Hey, just get into the tournament and you have a shot." If you got those elements. Oh, yeah. it's The NHL at this point, um, I remember when I was on Anaheim, we were the eighth seed and beat beat the one seed San Jose that year. And since then, it's happened like two or three times. Like the NHL has so much parity that just get in. And especially when you got Tuka Rask, um, the Bruins could make some noise. I really wouldn't be surprised to see them Eastern Conference Finals or something. We'll see. All right, so we got plenty, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. And uh, he's yep. Ryan Whitney. Whit will bring you on. We're going to have you on every week. Uh, we'll figure out the schedule. We'll tweet things out. And we'll let people know when you can get the conversation at dannypicard.com. Uh, and enjoy Russia the rest of the week. Uh, enjoy all this Patriot stuff, as we mentioned. Embrace it. Uh, thanks a lot. And we look forward again to talking to you next week. Oh, boys, thank you uh, to come on and talk some English, speak some English. <laughs> My native tongue was a joy. So thank you very much. I'll All right. see you, uh, talk to you guys next week. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Whit. Uh, so there you go. Ryan Whitney in Russia. Great segment right there. Great conversation. Again, uh, we'll bring him on the show once a week. And that conversation today specifically was brought to you by Violent Gentleman. Once again, go to violentgentleman.com right now to get some of the hottest gear that is available on the sports scene. 
Brings us to the poll of the day here to close out the show on Thursday, February 5th, 2015. Now that the NFL is over, what are you most looking forward to? Spring training, the Masters, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, NFL draft, March Madness, or WrestleMania? Pete, I'll let you go first. Well, as a betting man, there's nothing better than March Madness. There's nothing like sweating out teams I have no clue about. Money riding. <laughs> Wait, on when it. you say betting man, yeah, are you saying you just fill out a bracket, or are you saying no, that you no. bet every game? Oh, it's, it, I think it comes down to betting every game because you bet you bet every game. Pretty much, you yeah, put money on point. every game. Every game, despite knowing nothing. You put you literally put mo- how much yes. money do you put on every game? That's well, a lot I mean, of money. Yeah, well, like, I mean, you talking ten bucks? Well, you we're talking hundred bucks? You know, parlays, twenty five bucks uh, here, twenty five bucks there. Yeah, but it adds game? up. It adds up. I just do a bracket. I don't do the spreads for the college. I don't do it. So you're looking forward to March Madness out of all these things. Um, out of all these things right now, the thing that I am most looking forward to see. It's, I put spring training because spring training comes before opening day. And maybe I, if opening day was an option, I think I'd probably take opening day. Since it's not, I'm going to go with, I got to go, I got to go with the Masters. You know that? I got to go with the Masters. It's in April. Uh, all, all eyes are on Tiger Woods right now. Golf is much better when Tiger Woods is a story, whether it's for the good or whether it's for the bad. Now, I don't like Tiger Woods. I don't root for him to win tournaments. What I do root for him for is I root for Tiger Woods to be good enough where he's playing all weekend. And if you watched him play last weekend, you didn't get to see that because he didn't make the cut. He was terrible. Now, there's, there's a little part of me that likes seeing professional golfers struggle the way I would struggle, right? And Tiger Woods struggled the way I would struggle. See, you you don't see that very often from anybody. And yeah, sure, guys struggle. They have bad days. They have bad tournaments. But this was the type of bad tournament where Tiger Woods was like 10 feet, a 10-foot chip onto the green, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't even make the green. I mean, I, I don't even know that I would do that. So part of me kind of feels good to see someone struggle like that, as sick as, sick as that sounds. But, you know, Tiger Woods, the sport, as a sport and as a guy who actually likes to root against him on Sundays, I want to see him in contention on Sundays. And then I want to see, and then what I'm usually rooting for is somebody to come up and just catch him and beat him. Or him choking, one or the other, on Sunday. But I think he's got to be involved in it somehow. Now, this tournament this weekend, the Farmers Insurance Open, Tiger Woods tees off at 1220 Eastern Time. Um, At Torrey Pines, Tiger Woods, what, he's won this tournament eight times, I believe. He's good here. But, you know, that's going to take one heck of a turnaround from what he was showing you last last weekend to what he could show you in a place that he feels somewhat comfortable and uh, he said, I'm working for the Masters. And that gets me jacked up and fight up for the Masters. I, I'm, that's the thing I'll be looking forward to most is certainly uh, Masters weekend uh, at Augusta. But this golf tournament this weekend, Farmers Insurance Open, Torrey Pines, people are asking the question, is Tiger Woods, he's going to make the cut? I think, he, I think he'll make the cut. I think this certainly history shows there's a comfort level here with him in, in this tournament. At Torrey Pines, but um, for me to sit here and say he's going to come out and win it after what he looked like last week, you know, if you say, they, well, who are you going to pick, Tiger or the field? You know, 
a lot of money I would put be putting on the field, right? You would you think, based on what Tiger looked like last week? There's no you'd be crazy. In fact, I don't have the line in front of me or the uh, the odds in front of me, but I would think that even if you Tiger was so bad last week that even if you put your money on the field to win at Torrey Pines this weekend, you wouldn't be winning much. So I, I would not be putting money on Tiger Woods though. I really wouldn't. I, I don't think he's going to do it this week. But then again, he's just getting ready for the Masters. And the Masters is what I am looking forward to most uh, now that the NFL season is over. We'll get into some NFL offseason storylines, certainly as we move forward. NBA, NHL, yeah, none of it's out of the question. Golf, we'll, we'll take a look at this tournament, what happens today in the first round at Torrey Pines. Again, Tiger Woods tees off at 12.20 Eastern time. Special thanks to Ryan Whitney. He'll be joining me every week on this show. He's in Russia playing in Sochi in the KHL. And today's show, every Thursday, is brought to you by Violent Gentlemen. Once again, go to violentgentlemen.com right now. From the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentlemen honors the fight, the art, and the opponent. Violentgentlemen.com. Pete Needham. Nice job. I'm your host, Danny Picard, every weekday. We'll be on iTunes soon, I promise. But in the meantime, go to dannypicard.com. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.